Yo, episode 47 with Debbie Moore Black, blogging enthusiast, let's hit this. Welcome to Solving Healthcare. I'm Quedro Caramante. I'm an ICU and palliative care physician here in Ottawa and the founder of Resource Optimization Network. We are on a mission to transform healthcare in Canada. I'm going to talk with physicians, nurses, administrators, patients and their families because inefficiencies, overwork and overcrowding affects us all. I believe it's time for a better healthcare system that's more cost effective, dignified and just for everyone involved. Guys, we are celebrating Nurses Week on Solving Healthcare. It's not officially Nurses Week, but we're just we're just throwing down like that because um, there's a lot to celebrate for our hardworking colleagues, and they're a huge component of our listenership. And so we just want to give some love for all the work that you do. So yes, to celebrate this, we are releasing three episodes this week regarding nursing-related topics. And the one today is stellar, Debbie Moore Black. But before I talk to you about this, I just want to tell you about our sponsors, the Better Together Project. This is put on by Haley Harlock, and it's an event happening July 9th, which Kathy and I will be representing. Yeah, and it's all all about support for physician families. And, you know, with the increasing amount of burnout, suicides amongst clinicians, we we got to look at ways that we get better that. And the, one of the key ways is to have a supportive family and, and giving them the tools to be able to support us. And so um, really it's going to be a celebration. You can use a promo code solving healthcare and uh, make sure to sign up. Also want to give some love to our newsletter crew. You guys need to sign up for this. It's attached to the show notes, but the the content is awesome about upcoming shows behind-the-scenes footage. I'm not sure what exactly that means, but let me tell you, it's going to be stellar, so please sign up. You'll uh, also be attuned to upcoming events. The other th- last thing I want to say before introducing Debbie is if you've been following the show and you've been loving it, subscribe, leave a five-star rating, leave a review. It helps with the visibility of the show, and so we that's much appreciated. Okay. Debbie Moore Black. I'm a huge fan of her content. She is a ICU nurse with 34 years of experience, and she started this blog called Do Not Resuscitate, and it's wonderful. She really makes a point of voicing what needs to be said, whether it's end-of-life issues, whether it's abuse among nurses. As far as I'm concerned, she's a hero. And we talk about some of these issues that she's seen, but also about how valuable it is as an ICU nurse to have that creative side, to be able to have that outlet, seeing the stressful cases that we do, seeing the the trauma, like this is a huge outlet and hope you enjoy this. Happy Nurses Pseudo Week and uh, without further ado, Debbie Moore Black. Debbie Moore Black, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Thank you for agreeing to do this. It's a real privilege. I've been loving your content over the last few months, and we'll get it, obviously get into some of the awesome material that you produce in terms of blogging. But I got to ask you, what got you into blogging? I uh, have always liked to write. I 
originally wanted to be a journalist and end up in New York City with the New York Times or to be a teacher. And my mother said I had to be a nurse. <laughs> so I ended up becoming a nurse and doing what she told me to do because that's what you did back in the day. You did what mommy said. Right. But I, I ended up loving the intensive care unit and there were so many things happening and I fell in love with ICU, but I had so many stories to tell. And I thought that the um, blogging was my easiest way to tell my stories and to help educate other people and also to help form a camaraderie throughout possibly the universe with other RNs that go through situations that I've been through, whether in intensive care unit or coronary care unit or the emergency department, which have been the areas that I have worked in. But but it doesn't matter because the nursing issues face everywhere. Um, and And so I really just had the need to talk about it and to expose what is really going on. Yes. And that was my easiest outlook was doing the blog. Mm -hmm. So really, you know, you had that natural drive to write, but one of the main drivers was, you know, one camaraderie and, and, and amongst your colleagues, but also to just illustrate some of the key issues within healthcare. I mean, this is exactly why I started this podcast. And um, I'm just curious to to hear from you, like what were what were some of the common issues that you were seeing or that were concerning? Well, the most common issue was uh, the title of my blog on Facebook is called Do Not Resuscitate. And as we all know, resuscitate means to bring back to life. And I titled it that because there were so many tragedies in the intensive care unit that I wanted to categorically not bring back to life. And and the main one that bothered me the most was the fact that we were keeping people alive who were end stage um, organ failure and they were not having a quality in life. And we had them on the ventilator, we had them central lines and pressers and restrained to the bed and the family was saying do everything and even if the family had the patient had a do not resuscitate in their chart family members would resend that and it it ended up after 34 years in ICU nursing I finally had to toss in the towel this last December of 2019 and stop ICU nursing because it finally became a moral issue for me wow. that I can't keep, keep I can't keep doing CPR on these these folks that need to die peacefully. I can't keep cracking their ribs, mm. and then they're going to die anyway. And and it was it was an atrocity what we were doing, and um, you know legally we had to go through with it. Um, because the family would demand it, and it, it mm. broke my heart. It, it, I just couldn't do it anymore. Wow. No, and we we had a show on moral distress within uh, within the intensive care unit with a couple of our nurses, and they echoed exactly what you're saying. Like the amount of distress and and 
and ultimately burnout related to taking care of patients where you feel like you're just harming them with no benefit is just so it's hard and um and it's sad and you know I, you know this is one of the goals of the show is to have a better understanding and approach to the the level like how big of a problem it is and and clearly like you're where are you right now I work in Charlotte North Carolina yeah. I live in a small town right outside yeah and so like you know we are we're on different parts of uh North America and we're we this is a universal problem clearly you know like this is not just happening in our intensive care units in Canada this is happening you know with our our, our southern brothers there um so um clearly it's a big problem and Debbie when you write about some of these end of life concerns what are some of the reactions that you've you've gotten from your fellow colleagues well, my colleagues are usually 100% on board with me, and they feel the same way. Um, back in the day in ICU, I felt like it was purposeful that we were actually saving lives and we were making a difference, and I really felt that. But through time, um, with modern medicine and ventilators and pressors and chest tubes and dialysis, <clears throat> the society, I think, felt like, everyone's going to live forever. Mm. And I, I have worked with excellent intensivists throughout my career, and they have always been honest with the family. I've been in many meetings with the family when they, the doctors have said, there is, there is no more hope. They are going to die. And the families will say, oh, it's, it's going to be a miracle, or they're in denial, or they're rationalizing, or there's some monetary means with that. Mm. Whatever their cause is, I have been with very honest doctors that have just blatantly told the truth, and I'm appreciative for that. But my colleagues feel the same way most of them do that I feel that, you know, there is a way to die peacefully. No one, as Jim Morrison once said of the doors, no one gets out of here alive mm -hmm. and we're never going to live forever. So why can't we peacefully die? Mm -hmm. Which we try to, com we try to promote hospice and comfort care and some family members will do that, but others want the whole works done until they actually die on the ventilator. And, and it breaks my heart. And I, like I said, after 34 years, I can't do it anymore. Yeah. And what, this is, might be a bit of an aside, but what can we do to fix that as far as you're concerned? I just think more education, and which was one reason I did my blog, if I can possibly educate people out there about the real world of, of patient care and hospitals and intensive care units and ERs, and, and that, yes, we have modern medicine, but modern medicine is to help people who have a chance to who are going through, you know, maybe sepsis or, or or some type of organ failure. But when they're at their end of the life, we have to call it a day. We have to. It, so, so through, I think through education, I think that's the most important thing is that we keep on educating and let people know the reality of what's really going on. Yeah, especially with their loved ones. 
that's a beautiful thing I feel like about you know having you on the show and do it like the podcast world uh, about blogging is the reach can be massive and for example the the one I'm forgetting the title off the top of my head the one you wrote about uh, the elderly uh, patient that was gotten full care and dying on a ventilator I mean um, there was a post there that I forgot how many people have seen it like it's incredible do you know which one i'm talking about yeah i think it's uh the family said do everything and yeah, it was that probably was, yeah. my, my yeah and that and, had probably 170,000 shares throughout the virtual world yeah and like just you know and that's something that you know whether you're and when you read it it's not just meant for healthcare professionals like my mom could read that and have a full understanding of how severe you know, it can be to be in the end of, I receive end of life care in the ICU. And so th- that's the beautiful thing about what you're doing is that it's a big educational piece. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so do you get a sense from your readers, the, do you get feedback in terms of the impact it's having on them? Like, is there a, whether it be an emotional response or any kind of. I I feel like uh, I am reaching out. I I have close to 61,000 followers and they're not all nurses. There's healthcare people there. I have physicians. I have many lay people that are following my blog, but I've had in, especially in response to that and a few other stories about end of life in the ICU on the ventilator. I've had many respond many have respond saying that they now have a living will. They now have the do not resuscitate wow. in their files. And and one of the other important things, unfortunately, I have talked about family members that resend DNRs and that's tragic. And that has also happened many times. So even if you have a living will and you have this legal document and the DNR, family members can resend it and they do. So it's very important to get someone who is your uh, power, medical power of attorney that you trust, whether it's a family member or an outside member, but you have to have someone that you trust that will follow through with your wishes. Mm -hmm. But I have had many people say, yes, we have signed on. My family is aware. Thank you for this article. We had no idea. And, you know, I ran into the same thing with my husband. He refused to get a will a simple will he refused (laughs) and knowing that i've been an icu nurse forever even when he was dying he still refused and so when he died i went through a lot of uh problem probate court all of his you know credit cards and and everything it was i mean i'm finally straightened out but it's such an important thing he he also wanted everything done because he was in denial and i was so fearful that he would end up in the icu on a ventilator and then die anyway but fortunately that did not happen but uh you know a, a living will and having a dnr document is very important and it's also very important to have that family member or or someone you truly trust that will take care of you in the end. Wow. And once again, uh, I'm sorry to hear about your husband. He passed away, was it a couple years ago? Uh, 2017, and he had 
he had liver and pancreatic cancer and he had no chance and you know he was in a severe case of denial and his oncologist and surgeon fed into his denial and of course I've written a story about that too <laughs> because yeah. I am all about honesty and telling the truth and mm. not putting the rose-colored glasses on because we all have to face the truth eventually. Mm. I mean, that's one thing I really enjoy about your writing is it's it comes from an authentic place with integrity, and you've you've lived through you've it's a lived experience too. Like you've seen it from a clinical side where you're you've years of intensive care nursing and then unfortunately having to deal with your husband and seeing you know how you know not having advanced care plans not having affairs in order could really have some you know detrimental impact and so you know i and it honestly it comes through in your writing and i it's a real gift to, that people that people could uh, that you share that with people yeah well, you know, I also write about patients who are maybe considered miracles or make it through the triumphs. And in fact, when I eventually try to write my book, it'll be a, a, the, the trials and triumphs of critical care nursing because we have both. We, we do. But usually if there is a triumph, it is usually a younger person who has a chance. Mm-hmm. to, you know, reverse what they're going through. And and I write about that also. But, you know, we, we've been through it all. And um, I, I guess I truly went through moral demise with, with what I was doing that I just had to call it a day. But I still mm-hmm. like to write about it. And this is the thing that makes me sad. Like some of our best ICU nurses at, nurses in general that provide amazing care that great communicators i mean obviously we haven't worked together but you know because of some of these issues are driven away from their craft they're driven away from something that they're i feel often are meant to to do their calling um so you know clearly we we got to do a better job addressing it um, the other thing I wanted to say too was I just I just finished reading a miracle in the ICU. One of your stories about mm-hmm. you know uh, you know quote unquote a, a case that you know looked like you know a patient arrested and they had a positive outcome. And I was to be honest with you, it made me well up a little bit hearing about the mm-hmm. uh, you know making uh, being able to see his daughter uh, on the wedding day and stuff, but. It's those stories that bring us back too, right? Like I see you, you know, 20% of our patients pass away. It's, you know, a stressful environment, but it these stories do happen and it, it's everything, you know? Right, right. And and those are those are the triumphs and those are the ones that, you know, we're, we're so thankful and happy that, that they have come through and it just wasn't their time to go. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there, there are some happy endings. It's, I don't want to be all negative and, you know, everyone's going to die. I don't feel like that. Uh, there are some very happy endings that we are also very thankful for. And when you have a good team of nurses and doctors all working together, 
I have written before that your worst day can be your very best day when you have the great team that you're working with. So a big part of nursing is that camaraderie and working together no matter what. It's it's so true. Like I I can think of, um, you know, a case where often like like where a patient needs to really be resuscitated. So they're having a brisk bleed and you got 15 people in the room working together secure the airway, get the bags of uh, units of blood up as soon as possible, pushing blood product, you know, getting blood, um, getting blood work done, just a, a coordinated effort that gets a, that life saved. And you look at each other at the end of the day and being like, what a job we did, you know, and, and it was a true team effort. And like, there's nothing better in, in ICU when you, you could, when you work like a team like that and, and especially when the outcome is positive. Right. And, and there, there is usually no break in ICU. You know, you're there 12 hours, sometimes 13 hours and there's no break. And after you bring someone back to life and you're, like you said, the, you know, units of blood and central line and pressors and ventilators, you're absolutely exhausted but it's a good exhaustion. You, you knew that you did everything possible and the patient is viable and alive and has, has, a, has a new lease on life. Mm. So it's all worth it, especially worth it when you have a great team to work with. No, I, I couldn't agree more. Any other, yeah. any other topics, blogging topics that you felt have been a, really valuable to your readers? Um, yeah, besides the the actual death and dying topic, which is a big one, I like to explore social issues, and I like to explore uh, like social issues such, such as uh, homophobia and sexism. Um, nurses and healthcare who who I like to bring it out in the open subjects that people don't want to talk about because I think it's really important that we expose subjects people don't want to talk about. And those subjects would be alcoholism, drug addiction, uh, recently wrote about domestic violence, um, suicide. I've written about a physician who eventually committed suicide. Um, All these subjects uh, from the past, people wanted to keep this hush-hush Let's not talk about it, but I want to expose it. I want it out in the open. I want people to look in the mirror and say, what am I doing with my life? You know, am I, am I an alcoholic? Am I a drug addict? Is, is my husband or my, my spouse or my wife, are they abusing me? And it's not just physical violence. It's the neglect and the abuse, the verbal abuse. It all ties in. And, and I see that and I hear it and I write about it. And usually if I can, I put a, a 1-800 number, contact number for, for people to, whether, whether it's drug abuse or alcoholism or domestic violence, I reach out and I try to educate. Um, so, th- so those are not only just social issues, those are issues that nurses and healthcare people face. It's, and it's not just nurses, it's, it's many healthcare people. And, and there's a lot of hiding going on. And I want, I want people to confront what's going on in their life so they can 
deal with it and get, I mean, in most hospitals, there is free counseling by certified therapists and it's employee, um, it's called EAP, EAP, Employee Assistant Program, and they can get free counseling for free. And there's nothing wrong with getting help when you need help. There, there should not be a stigma attached anymore. People need to, like I said, look in the mirror, confront what's going on, and deal with it instead of covering it up. So those are very important. There's, there's also a lot of bullying in, in different areas of nursing, and I've seen it, mm-hmm. and I've been through it. And it's, it's such a demise of nursing that we're all in this together. And I, I wrote another article that um, has gotten a lot of um, uh, virtual sharing, and it's um, – a nurse's new problem is the young eating the old. And in the past, we've heard how the old eat the young. And now it's reverse. It's ageism. Now it's, you know, uh, do you have your, um, do you have your walker with you with the little tennis balls on it? Do you have your ear hearing aid in? When, when are you, when are you going to retire? And it's all ha ha, chuckle, chuckle. But it's like, we are the senior nurses who have been through everything. We are the ones who didn't have IV machines that you could automatically plug in and dial in. We had to count the drips, you know, back in the day, we had to count the drips for the patient and use gravity. Um, so we were like the beginning, the pioneers of nursing, and now we're being disrespected, though though I'm not discounting that older nurses did eat the young, but now we're facing facing the opposite. And, and I, I wrote about that because both are not acceptable. Mm-hmm. The, the bullying of the old or the new are not acceptable. We are in this together to work together, to empower each other. And to build each other up and educate each other. Mm-hmm. And um, the, the sad part is if there is bullying and if management doesn't correct it, then it's a vicious cycle. And, mm-hmm. and people leave in droves because of sometimes because of one person, sometimes because of a team of bullies. But, but I think it all rounds out to a manager not taking care of the situation. And I have seen that happen where they look the other way. And, and that's the sad part. So I kind of write about everything that bothers no, me. But it's great, though. It, it really is great because it's, it just increases awareness on issues that need to be addressed. And, I mean, you hit on a lot of big ones there, like, bullying like that's a big one um you know uh camaraderie like working well as a team young versus old um like there's a a, domestic violence there's a a lot of issues that are present in everyday hospital in every hospital and you know i don't know how good we are at actually addressing these things so increasing the awareness is vital at least to starting the the conversation so yeah I, I commend you for what you're doing and like i said before I, I like the fact that you don't shy away from tough subject matters you know what i'm saying well i've, I've always been very verbal sometimes too much back in my younger days <laughs> had a lot of energy i'm sure many managers wanted to look away when i came and i've learned how to pick my 
battles now because I pretty much used to have diarrhea of the mouth. But but now I know my <laughs> battles. But my ba- my battles are uh, printed on my blog that I think are very important. And you know, at the age of sixty four years old, I'm ready to rock and roll, and it it now it's important to me and and I don't feel like anything really is going to stop me from saying what I have to say with very important issues well Debbie let me tell you you be rocking and rolling I'm more of a I, I don't mind rock and roll I hip and then hopping sometimes but uh yeah, yeah okay. I, I, I can rock and roll as well you know what I'm saying um right <laughs> the you, we might have touched on this before but I just want to I just want to really clarify what has blogging or having a voice, what has it done for you? Well, I think that it's probably helped me mentally. It's been my like my therapy sessions with myself to share with others. Because if you don't, um, if, you, if you keep everything inside, obviously you can have side effects of uh, depression, um, high blood pressure, you know, things like that. But but being able to express myself and educate has just been very, very important to me. Um, I feel like it's an extension of nursing that I'm able to do. Um, but but I, I personally think it's been my own therapy session to get to get out what I have to get out and and educate at the same time. Amen. And the, re- the reason I really wanted you to illustrate that is because I want to encourage others out there to do the same. Like, you know, some people might view blogging or, or podcasting as competitive. Uh, to me, the important part is having quality content out there to, so we could have better discussions about some of these important issues. And so I want to encourage all our listeners, if you had that itch to, to write about some of your concerns, do it. There's no time like the present. You want to start a podcast? You, you know, I've had a few of my colleagues reach out saying, oh, I was thinking about doing this. And my, my advice is always do it. You don't think yourself out of it. Just act. Because, you know, this is such a valuable thing. Not only are you giving people a, a chance to recognize some of the important concerns in healthcare or whatever field it might be, but you're also having that outlet. You're, it's a and for me too, it's like a creative outlet. It's, um, you know, get to express some of the concerns that we're seeing. So it, it gets some stuff off the chest, you know, and there's so much value in it. And it, I got, I've been only doing this for a few months now. I don't know when this is going to be released, but it has been a game changing, absolutely game changing. Well, um, I'm thrilled that you were able to find me and, you know, finally, let my word out even more so now. Absolutely. This, I mean, this goes without saying, everyone needs to li- read your, your shit. Sorry for using French. Read your, <laughs> it is, the content is too awesome. It's concise. It gets to the point. Um, and so, yeah, we, we're obviously going to be promoting that on our social media and, you know, uh, on the show notes and, and so on. But we, we really love what you're doing. Debbie and uh, encourage you to keep doing it and uh, we'll, we'll definitely be collaborating on, on some other, on some other endeavors. Um, and one last thing before we, we, we close, I always like to get, I always like to end on a positive note. So whether through nursing or through blogging, 
does a story come to mind where you had left you proud of what you do? Where I'm proud of what I do? Yeah, like where, yeah, where it left you being like, oh, I'm glad I I did. I'm glad I either I'm, uh, I'm becoming an ICU nurse or I'm glad I've been writing about this content. Oh, absolutely. I, I have a, I'm very proud of getting this started. I, I unfortunately um, am not a millennial and I don't have that technical (laughs) savvy that I'd like to have. And Facebook was actually the easiest way to blog, uh, which on my Facebook, the blog, anyone can get on. And it's called Do Not Resuscitate Debbie Moore Black RN ICU. And I, um, I don't have any regrets with what I do. And I think because I grew up in an era where things were hush-hush, um, you know, my dad was an IBM executive we lived in the big house on the right side of town, but inside was an incredible dysfunction going on. And and so because of that, I want to bring this all out in the open. I want to open the windows and open the shades and let the light shine through on let's not keep these secrets anymore. I mean, that's mm-hmm. just, I feel like is my crusade. Uh, probably because of what I grew up in, all the secrecy and, and the alcoholism of my father. And it's like I've seen it and, and not, you know, just with my very own family, but with, with many other people. And I just it's I feel like it's my crusade say, to, to get this out in the open. And like I said, look at yourself in the mirror and stop your denial and rationalization and get help and get out there and and do the right thing for yourself for the sake for your sake for your family's sake for your children's sake and that's why i address many topics amen debbie and i want to commend you again for doing what you do and i know you are impacting many lives by writing what you write so uh keep doing it and thank you for agreeing to do the show and uh take care well thank you so much i appreciate it and if anyone is uh, i'd like to say if anyone is not on uh, facebook many of my stories have been published through kevin md and you can just google him with my name attached and there will be many of my stories there but but if anything i my purpose is to help educate people who who need to be educated and to help bring out um, the fact that it's really okay to get help. It's really okay to talk about these things mm-hmm. and get the help that you need. And I certainly appreciate you um, allowing me to do this podcast with you. Um, it's been a, a privilege to right. to have you uh, interview me. Uh, so that's sweet. And we are going to leave all the links uh, mo- most of your content so people will easily be able to access it but uh, oh thank great you. thank That's you awesome. so much Debbie okay well thank you take care thanks everybody for listening to our latest episode of Solving Healthcare please leave any comments at quadcast99 at gmail.com follow us on Twitter Instagram Facebook at quadcast sign up for our newsletter links are in the show notes once again you love the show leave a five star rating leave a review it helps with the visibility we appreciate that and everyone out there take care and thanks so much